0: Due to the graphic nature of this murder case, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes dramatizations and discussions of sex work, gore, murder, and assault. We advise extreme caution for children under 13.
1: On September 29, 1907 the residents of Camdentown wiped the sleep from their eyes and rushed outside to fetch their morning papers.
0: They were desperate for updates on the murder of 22-year-old Emily Dimmick. The sex worker had been found dead in her London flat. Her throat had been slashed to the bone while she was sleeping.
1: More than two weeks had passed, but so far no suspects had been arrested.
0: Everyone in the city was on edge, they thumbed through their papers anxiously, and to their surprise, there was a new piece of information about the case.
1: But it wasn't a mugshot or police sketch. Instead, it was a reproduction of a postcard found at the scene. Someone invited Emily to a pub just a few days before her murder and added a sketch of a
0: winking cartoon son. The police were offering 100 pounds for anyone who could identify the handwriting. It really seemed like they were grasping at straws, and they'd never solve the so-called Camden Town murder.
1: Many residents tossed their papers into the waste bin and accepted the fact that the case had gone cold. But one reader had a very different reaction. She recognized the distinctive scrawl instantly. It belonged to Robert Wood.
0: This is Unsolved Murder's True Crime Stories, a Spotify original from ParCast. I'm your host, Carter Roy.
1: And I'm your host, Wendy McKenzie. Every Tuesday, we dive into the world of a real unsolved murder and try to solve the case.
0: You can find episodes of Unsolved Murders and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify.
1: Last week, we covered Emily Dimmick's double life and followed the dramatic events of her final days. This week, we'll follow along as police hunt for Robert Wood and examine a few theories of what happened on the night of the murder.
0: We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us.
1: By late September 1907, investigators were running out of leads. They were certain 22-year-old Emily Dimmick had been murdered by one of her clients. She'd been seen with the man just a few hours before her death, but the eyewitnesses didn't get a good look at him.
0: The police scoured the local pubs and spoke with several of Emily's patrons. All of them seemed to have ironclad alibis. If she was killed by a customer... He clearly went out of his way to keep their liaison secret.
1: Though the detectives didn't know this yet, the client they were looking for was Robert Wood. And as the story of Emily Dimmick's murder spread like wildfire, he started covering up his tracks. He reached out to an
0: ex-girlfriend
1: named Ruby Young for help.
0: Ruby was about the same age as Emily and had started dating Robert in 1905. she dabbled in sex work in the past but abandoned it after meeting the artist, who was around 30 years old. Soon enough, she fell in love. But
1: their relationship crumbled after a few months. Ruby began to suspect that Robert was stepping out on her. Ironically, it's pretty likely that he was cheating on her with Emily Dimick.
0: She left him behind in the summer of 1907 and didn't respond to any of his pleas for forgiveness.
1: But when a telegram fell into her mailbox on September 20th, 1907, she decided to give him another chance. He requested to meet her that evening at one of their old haunts.
0: Ruby showed up. She was eager to hear what Robert had to say.
2: Ruby, darling, what a delight it is to see you again.
3: I must say I was rather surprised to hear from you, Robert. It's been so long, I thought... For sure, you'd forgotten me by now.
2: (laughs) Don't be ridiculous! Frankly, my love, I wish we'd never parted. I'm hoping you'll allow me another chance to prove myself to you. You are? Very much so. But I must confess, I'm hoping you'll do something for me, too. What is it? There's been a lot of talk in Camden Town lately. Ever since that young woman was murdered, police have been poking around every public house in town.
3: Yes, it's all over the papers. Horrifying business to think that I could have once brought that same evil into my own bed.
2: Thank heavens that's all behind you. Now, you know better than most how my father feels about... sex work. Sure I do. Well, he's been sick, Ruby. And he's an old man. If he found out that I'd as much as sneeze near a lady like that, it might be too much for him. That's why should anyone ask... I'm hoping you'll say we were together routinely on Mondays and Wednesdays.
3: What are you saying, Robert? You knew Emily Dimmick? Oh, heaven forbid. You weren't with her that night, were you? No,
2: of course not. But I was at the pub where she was last seen, the Eagle. And I have no alibi should the police come asking. You're not making a good
3: case for yourself, Robert.
2: I wasn't with her. I kept to myself the entire night.
3: Why would you go to a pub to keep to yourself?
2: Come now, Ruby. You know I enjoy the company of others. Please, say you'll do this for me. Well,
3: I'll do it if you really need my help.
1: Ruby left their meeting thoroughly confused. She wondered if he was hiding something.
0: Nine days later, Ruby's worst fears were confirmed. On September 29th, 1907, a picture of the postcard found at the crime scene was published in the newspaper. Ruby's heart sank when she saw it. It looked like one of Robert's drawings.
1: She rushed back to her writing desk and pulled
0: out the telegram
1: from Robert. Sure enough, the handwriting was exactly the
0: same. Clearly, Robert lied about his relationship with Emily Dimick. She wasn't a stranger to him at all. He'd been writing to her right before she died.
1: Ruby got to work cutting the article out of the paper. She needed an explanation. Just then, she heard a knock at her door. Ruby, darling.
3: Don't you darling me. This is your postcard, isn't it? It's all over the papers.
2: If you'll give me a moment, I can explain.
3: You lied to me. You said you didn't know her.
2: I barely did. Listen for a moment, will you? The encounter was so brief. I'd forgotten it entirely until I saw the paper this morning. i bumped into the young woman at the rising sun. It was crowded. Some bloke came into the bar selling postcards.
3: Go on, then.
2: She bought one and then turned to me at the bar and asked if I would write something on it. I jotted down the note, not even thinking about it, and handed it back to her. That's it, I never saw her again.
3: Then why don't you just tell that to the police, Robert? That could clear the whole thing up.
2: I can't, Ruby, I don't have a proper alibi. Investigators are chomping at the bit to put this case behind them, they'd arrest me on the spot. That's why I need you now more than ever. Darling, all I need you to do is say we were together on Wednesday night.
3: You mean lie for you? Just be honest with me,
2: Robert. Did you kill her? Ruby, my sweet. Would you really think that of me? Of course I didn't kill her. I swear to it. And I just need your help right now so we can come out the other side even closer than before.
3: Fine. Should anyone ask, I'll say we were
2: together. (laughs) Bless you, my love. Bless you. (laughs)
0: Robert's version of events was far from the truth, and Ruby likely knew this, but she desperately wanted to believe him. It was hard to think a man she'd once been close with could ever do something so horrible.
1: On the other hand, she had a hard time accepting his story. Clearly, this postcard didn't end up in Emily Dimmick's room by accident. Even if Robert hadn't committed the murder, he was clearly lying about something.
0: By October 4th, Ruby Young had made her decision. She mustered up her strength and headed into the police station.
4: Something I could help you with, miss?
3: Yes, I have some information. You know that postcard that was printed up in the paper? Well, I think an old boyfriend of mine wrote it. The writing matches up perfectly. Uh, Here's the newspaper clipping, and here's uh, a telegram from him.
4: Well, I'll be. Those look mighty similar.
3: I have plenty more letters back home. I'd be happy to fetch them for you. Oh, and his name is Robert Wood.
1: Police were stunned. Ruby had completely rejuvenated the investigation. Finally, they had a new suspect and an informant who could help them catch him.
0: The investigators asked Ruby to wait outside of Robert's office that afternoon and flag him down. She complied, and the artist looked pleasantly surprised to see her waiting for him. But little did he know, he was walking into an ambush.
2: Darling, I wasn't expecting to see
0: you today.
3: I know. I had to come to town, and I thought I might stop by to see you after work.
2: Ah, how wonderful. Um, shall we grab a drink then?
3: A drink sounds nice. Oh no. What is it?
2: Walk quickly. I think that man across the way might be a detective.
3: Oh, I hadn't noticed.
2: Robert Wood? Yes? What is this about? Official
4: police business, I'm afraid. Perhaps we could step away from the young woman and have a
2: word. Certainly. Wait for me here, darling. Something I can help you with, officer?
4: I've reason to believe you might be associated with the recently deceased Emily Dimmock. Perhaps you knew her as Phyllis. You wrote to her as such, inviting her to the Rising Sun Public
2: House. Do you recall? Sure, I wrote that postcard. But I hardly knew the young woman. I don't see how I could be of any real help. I'll be the judge of
4: that. I think you better come to the station.
2: I suppose... I don't have much of a choice in the matter. Allow me to say goodbye to my sweetheart first. Make it quick. Come now, Ruby. Don't cry for me. If England wants me, she must have me.
1: Robert Wood was marshaled into a car. Ruby Young stood at the curb with tears in her eyes and watched the vehicle trundle away. He had no idea that she was the one who
0: turned him in. It was October 4th, 1907, about three weeks after the murder. Police had just made their first and ultimately their only arrest in the case.
1: Coming up. Robert Wood changes his tune. Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa from the Parcast series Mythology. Every Tuesday, join me on a wondrous journey back in time, exploring the most epic battles, sweeping love stories, and harrowing adventures ever told heroes gods monsters mayhem this podcast has it all from the knights of the round table and hori the hunter to paradise lost and the lost city of atlantis each episode of mythology dramatizes history's greatest stories bringing their origins to life and giving insight into how our ancestors saw the universe Ancient myths, modern twists. Catch new episodes of mythology every Tuesday and binge the classics anytime. Listen free only on Spotify. And now, back to our story.
0: On October 4th, 1907, Robert Wood shifted uncomfortably in the back seat of the police taxi. He mentally rehearsed his alibi over and over. By the time he arrived at the station, he had his story down pat.
2: I only met Emily Dimmock briefly, at a bar, and I've never seen her since. And when did you see her? I believe it was on Monday, the 9th, two days before she was killed. Where were you on
4: Wednesday, September the 11th?
2: On Wednesday, I left work at about 6.20 and went straight home. Afterwards, I walked up to Holborn with my sweetheart, Miss Ruby Young. She'd called for me. Ah, did she now? That's right. We had tea at Lyons, remaining there till about 8 or 8.30. After wandering around the West End, I bade her goodnight and returned home. As far as I can recall, it was about midnight. That's an
4: interesting story you've spun for us, Mr. Wood.
2: I assure you, sir, it's no story. The thing is, your sweetheart turned you in. I see what you're doing here, officers. I won't be fooled by such tactics. Ruby would never betray me this way.
4: Believe what you want, Wood, but the young lady swears she hasn't spoken to you in a while. She says you showed up out of the blue
2: and asked her to lie for you. If the young lady denies she was in my company, I cannot help it. I've told you the truth and I can do no more than that.
1: Robert couldn't believe that Ruby would double-cross him like this. He later wrote that her betrayal took all the fight out of him.
0: Even though Ruby had abandoned him, Robert wasn't completely helpless. When news of the arrest got out, his family and co-workers rallied around him. They couldn't fathom the idea that a well-behaved, upper-class man like him could have committed such a grisly crime. Robert's
1: employers even helped pay for his defense, They hired one of the most highly regarded criminal defense lawyers in England.
0: While Robert assembled his legal team, the police became even more convinced that he was their prime suspect. They re-interviewed one of the last men who saw Emily alive, the ship's cook who went home with her on September 10th. And as it turned out, he might have seen Robert that night too. They
5: uh, keep those public houses real dim for a reason, but I caught a glimpse of him. I was talking to the lady and saw him watching us from across the way. She seemed real annoyed by him, and the two of them stepped outside for a moment to talk. Then we continued on with our evening. It seemed like she shoot him off. And what could you make of this man? What did he look like? He was about thirty years old. Uh, Average height, maybe a little under six feet. A long face and sunken eyes, wearing a blue
4: shirt and a, a bowler hat. Mm, very good. Now I'd like for you to take a look at these men here and see if any of them look like the man you saw that night. There he is. Right there.
1: The cook pointed directly at Robert Wood.
0: And that was all officials needed to charge Robert with the murder of Emily Dimick.
1: News of the new charges reignited public interest in the case. As the trial opened on December 12, 1907, a crowd swarmed outside the courthouse, eagerly discussing their theories.
0: Within the imposing walls of the Old Bailey Court, the mood was more dour. Robert Wood knew that his life was about to be placed in the jury's hands. If he was found guilty, he would be sentenced to death.
1: The courthouse fell to a hush as the Crown presented its opening argument against Robert.
0: Members
5: of the jury, we start with a fact in which there is no dispute. Sometime between when she was last seen on the evening of September the 11th to when she was discovered on the morning of the 12th, Emily Elizabeth Dimick was murdered. I will not only prove that Robert Wood has a habit of misrepresenting the truth when it comes to his relationship with Emily Dimmock, By the end of this trial, I will also show that he is solely responsible for her death."
0: The prosecution seemed confident in their arguments, but Robert's defense attorney was undeterred. He called in one of the first witnesses, the doctor who had examined Emily's body at the scene of the crime.
4: Dr. Thompson, could you please start by telling the jury how
5: you think the murder occurred? Given the lack of blood splatter and precision of the wound, the victim must have been unconscious. I believe whoever attacked her did so from behind her on the bed while she was still asleep. And, uh, what sort of object might have caused this? Well, two razors were discovered at the crime scene. However, you would expect to find blood somewhere within the crevices of the small blade. We couldn't find so much as a drop. So, in other words, no murder weapon was ever uncovered. Is that correct? That's quite right. When you arrived to examine the body, Doctor, approximately how long did you suspect Ms. Dimick had been deceased? She was cold by the time I arrived at noon. She must have been dead for at least eight hours. There were still contents of a meal partially digested in her stomach. That puts the time of death between three and four that morning. No further questions, Your Honor.
1: The defense was probably relieved to hear the doctor's testimony, especially regarding the time of death. Robert had repeatedly stated that he came home around midnight on September 11th.
0: If the estimated time of death was correct, and the attorney could prove that Robert wasn't lying about his whereabouts, then he could get off scot-free. Both Robert's
1: brother and father were called to the stand, they agreed that he'd been home around midnight.
0: But it's worth noting that stomach contents are not a very precise way to determine time of death. Many experts today believe that Emily's stomach would have looked the same whether she died at 10 p.m. or 4 a.m.
1: And Robert couldn't prove where he was between 10 and midnight. That still leaves a two-hour window where he could have killed Emily Dimick.
0: Regardless, the judge and jury accepted the doctor's estimated time of death wholeheartedly, and they didn't seem to question the honesty of Robert's family.
1: When it was the prosecution's turn to call up witnesses, they concentrated on debunking Robert's claim that he hardly knew Emily. They brought in multiple witnesses who said they'd seen Emily and Robert together. One brothel owner even said they'd known each other for years.
0: But because many of these witnesses were involved in sex work, the jury was already prejudiced against them. And Robert's attorneys took full advantage of this. His lawyer belittled the witnesses and implied that they were untrustworthy, which completely ruined the prosecution's case.
1: Both sides rested on December eighteenth, nineteen 1907. As the jury filed out to deliberate... Robert sat anxiously in the witness box. Even though his side had made a strong showing, he may have wondered if his lies would eventually lead to his death.
0: Coming up, Robert Wood's fate is finally decided. Now back to the story.
1: The crowd outside the courtroom hadn't dispersed by the time the trial ended on December 18th, 1907. They eagerly waited for a verdict.
0: Finally, the doors of the old Bailey creaked open. A flustered reporter stepped outside to deliver the news. Robert Wood was not guilty.
1: A cheer erupted from the gathered onlookers, and it only grew louder as Robert stepped outside. He'd successfully dodged the gallows. And it seemed like everyone wanted to congratulate him.
3: <laughs> that a boy Robert let us buy a free man around.
5: We were behind you the entire time, Wood. Never doubted you for a second.
0: But when Ruby Young was let outside, the crowd turned sinister. The young woman hid her face as a constable led her through the sea of angry faces.
5: Look, there she is. Shame
3: on you, Ruby Young. Boo! 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 You should be ashamed. You could have killed an innocent man, you wretched woman. Sleep with one eye open, little
4: miss. We'll find out where you live, sure enough.
1: The harassment didn't stop when Ruby left the old Bailey. She continued to be ridiculed for weeks and was eventually forced to change her name and leave the country.
0: Meanwhile, Robert Wood easily made his way out of the public eye and went on to live a peaceful, quiet life, as far as we know. For him, Emily Dimmock's name would become nothing more than an unpleasant memory.
1: The case ground to a standstill after Robert Wood was acquitted, and no other suspects were ever officially named. But a few historians have proposed alternative theories about Emily Dimmock's murderer.
0: A few people have wondered if Emily was killed by Jack the Ripper, and there are a few elements of her case that do line up with this theory. The Ripper was known for targeting and mutilating sex workers in London, and he was never identified or captured. But Jack's reign of terror
1: likely ended in February of 1891, a full 16 years before Emily was killed. This huge time gap alone makes this scenario
0: seem pretty far-fetched. The second theory is a bit more believable. It started with a painting. In 1908, just a year after Emily was killed, an artist named Walter Sickert sold a piece that seemed to depict the murder. In it, a young woman lay
1: naked in a bed, with her head turned away at a strange angle. A man sat nearby looking despondent.
0: Sickert was known for creating realistic portraits of working-class life, and this painting seemed a bit out of his wheelhouse, and strangest of all, he titled it The Camden Town Murder. Many saw the piece and wondered if it was a
1: thinly-veiled confession. They knew that Sickert lived near the crime scene and were shocked by the level of detail in the painting.
0: Sicker denied all of this and said the painting wasn't supposed to be about Emily at all. Ironically, he said it was actually inspired by one of the victims of Jack the Ripper. He went on to rename the painting in the 1920s in an effort to beat back some of the rumors and was never formally investigated. But while
1: this story is definitely creepy, it's still a bit hard to buy. There's no evidence that Walter Sickert and Emily Dimmock ever met each other, much less that he was a client of hers.
0: The truth of what happened to Emily Dimmock almost certainly lies with Robert Wood. Not only did he lie
1: about the night of the murder, but he tried to hide his entire relationship with Emily.
0: All the testimony about Robert's long-running affair with Emily was written off as untrustworthy during the trial because it came from sex workers and brothel staff. But when these crucial perspectives are included, a clear story seems to emerge.
1: It begins with the night before the murder. On September 10th, 1907, Emily Dimmick cozied up to a customer, the ship's cook. Just as they were getting to know each other... A shady-looking man interrupted them. The cook later identified this man as Robert Wood.
0: Emily rolled her eyes and stepped outside with Robert for a moment. Though she never revealed a word of their conversation, it's easy to imagine Robert was jealous of the attention she was showing this new customer.
1: He probably became angry when Emily brushed him off. She returned to the cook and ignored Robert for the rest of the night.
0: Robert went back to his father's house and wrote out a postcard to Emily, hoping she'd meet him at the Eagle the next night. Emily opened it the next morning, and after much back and forth, she accepted the invitation.
1: On the night of September 11th, Emily met Robert at the pub. They talked for a few minutes, and then they left to make their way back to Emily's room.
0: Eventually, they got into bed, and Emily drifted off. She probably assumed that Robert would fall asleep next to her. Little did she know, the older man was wide awake.
1: Dark thoughts rolled across his mind,
0: nagging at him to get up and do something
1: truly horrific. Perhaps he felt he'd been powerless in his relationship with Emily for long enough.
0: The 22-year-old remained unconscious as her head was gently lifted off the pillow, Robert poised the blade at her throat. It was a brutal but quick death.
1: He washed the blood off his hands before slipping out of the flat and returned back to his father's house. Perhaps he prayed that he wouldn't be caught, or perhaps he knew that a man like him could almost always come out on top.
0: Looking back, it's clear to see the ways that classism and sexism played a role in freeing Robert Wood.
1: His defense skillfully painted Ruby Young as a jealous ex-girlfriend and implied that she couldn't be trusted due to her history of sex work.
0: The attorney also undermined the credibility of eyewitnesses because they were brothel owners or sex workers.
1: With all that said, even if Robert Wood wasn't the murderer... His wealth and social status were the things that freed him. They were also the things that robbed Emily Dimmock of any justice, and why her murder is unsolved to this day.
0: Thanks again for tuning into Unsolved Murders. For more information on the murder of Camden Town, Amongst the many sources we used, we found The Great Trials of the 20th Century, The Camden Town Murder by Sir David Napley, extremely helpful to our research.
1: You can find all episodes of Unsolved Murders and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify.
0: We'll see you next time.
1: If we live till next time.
0: Unsolved Murders is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max and Ron Cutler. Sound designed by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Nick Johnson, Trent Williamson, and Carly Madden. This episode of Unsolved Murders was written by Ellie Margulis, edited by Kylie Harrington and Giles Hofseth, fact-checked by Catherine Barner, researched by Mickey Taylor, and produced by Freddie Beckley. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tom Bauer, Joe Hernandez, Laith Walschlager, Charlie West, and Jen Wong. Unsolved Murder stars Wendy McKenzie and Carter Roy.